Episode 48 will be the first in a series of episodes regarding lies about Catholic history. This episode is about so-called Hitler's Pope, Pius XII. To begin, allow me to read something. The voice of Pius XII is a lonely voice in the silence and darkness enveloping Europe this Christmas. The pontiff emphasized principles of international morality with which most men of goodwill agree. He uttered the ideas a spiritual leader would be expected to express in time of war. Yet his words sound strange and bold in the Europe of today, and we comprehend the complete submergence and enslavement of great nations, the very sources of our civilization, as we realize that he is about the only ruler left on the continent of Europe who dares to raise his voice at all. In calling for a real new order based on liberty, justice, and love to be attained only by a return to social and international principles capable of creating a barrier against the abuse of liberty and the abuse of power, the Pope put himself squarely against Hitlerism. Recognizing that there is no road open to agreement between belligerents whose reciprocal war aims and programs seem to be irreconcilable, he left no doubt that the Nazi aims are also irreconcilable with his own conception of a Christian peace. This is an editorial from the New York Times on Christmas Day in 1941. Allow me to read again an editorial from the same New York Times on Christmas Day, 1942. No Christmas sermon reaches a larger congregation than the message Pope Pius XII addresses to a war-torn world at this season. This Christmas more than ever, he is a lonely voice crying out of the silence of a continent. The pulpit whence he speaks is more than ever like the rock on which the church was founded, a tiny island lashed and surrounded by a sea of war. But just because the Pope speaks to and in some sense for all the peoples at war, the clear stand he takes on the fundamental issues of the conflict has greater weight and authority. When a leader bound impartially to nations on both sides condemns as heresy the new form of national state which subordinates everything to itself, when he declares that whoever wants peace must protect against arbitrary attacks the juridical safety of individuals, when he assails violent occupation of territory, the exile and persecution of human beings for no reason other than race or political opinion, when he says that people must fight for a just and decent peace, a total peace, the impartial judgment is like a verdict in a high court of justice. Pope Pius expresses as passionately as any leader on our side the war aims of the struggle for freedom when he says that those who aim at building a new world must fight for free choice of government and religious order. They must refuse that the state should make of individuals a herd of whom the state disposes as if they were a lifeless thing. These words, especially from the New York Times, would surprise most people nowadays who see Pope Pius XII as someone who, at the very least, didn't do anything to help the Jews or, at the worst, actively colluded with Hitler. They'd be further surprised that there are similar writings in other major newspapers, the Times of London, for example. And other major figures who praised Pius XII were Albert Einstein, the chief rabbi of Israel, Isaac Herzog, Golda Meir, prime minister of Israel. They'd perhaps find most shocking that the chief rabbi of Rome, Israel Zoli, after the war converted to Catholicism and took as his baptismal name Eugenio, which is the first name of Pius XII, Eugenio Pacelli. And he was the chief rabbi from 1940 to 1945, pretty much throughout the entirety of the Second World War. And he himself was hidden in various churches by Pope Pius XII. So with all of this very obvious and open admiration for Pius XII's efforts during the Second World War to help the Jewish people, and we'll go into more detail in that here in a bit, why is it that Pius XII is almost universally condemned by your average person, Christian or non-Christian? We ask them about Pius XII, and the first thing they think about is his moniker, Hitler's Pope. Or at the very least, they think that he is negative in some way. In fact, his cause for canonization has even been held up because it would be so controversial. 
When looking at the reasons for this strange phenomenon, the first one we can point to as very obvious is, is just the desire at any cost to find a reason to dislike or to criticize the church, both by her members and non-members. Modern society uh, always longs for and looks for a way to discredit the church, to call her hypocritical, to deny her divine institution, etc. So already there's a, a reason why Pius Twelfth can't be given credit in the eyes of modern society. But also there's a very silly reason why this is the quote-unquote official history of Pius Twelfth, and that's because of a stupid play called The Deputy, written in 1963, and it really is of no historical value. It's pure fiction, and it paints Pius Twelfth as a pope who did nothing to help the Jews, and nothing could be farther from the truth. But really, that is the main reason why people think what they think. Despite all of the actual contemporary history from the period of the Second World War, where Pope Pius was obviously seen as a light in the midst of an otherwise silent Europe about the evils of Nazism, somehow a, a, an obscure play became the official history. And again, the main reason for that is modern society will grab onto anything as long as it discredits the church. So if that's not true, if, if what's presented in this play isn't true, what is the legacy of Pius XII really? Well, we can look at his time as the apostolic nuncio to Germany. And uh, during that time, he was Cardinal Pacelli, and he helped Pius XI, his predecessor, write an encyclical called Mit Brennender Sorge, which in German means uh, with burning anxiety. And it was a very clear condemnation of Nazism. It was smuggled into Germany, given to priests. It was instructed to be read on Palm Sunday because it would be a very populated mass. The priests read the encyclical aloud. So Pius XII was the main force behind that encyclical, behind its authorship. So already you have a um, clear sign that he opposed Nazism. As Pope, he gave Christmas addresses that were referenced in those excerpts from the New York Times that I read that were very obvious condemnations. The Nazis saw them as condemnations. It's necessary to also take into account that the Pope is not just the head of a nation state, a small nation state, Vatican City, but he is the spiritual head of all Catholics throughout the world. That he, in that way, is a neutral head of state and has the concerns of every Catholic in every country in mind. So there was a, a balance that he needed to keep between getting his message to all Catholics and also not endangering them. Right? You had lots of Catholics in Germany, Poland, and Italy, and France, and all the countries where, where the Nazis occupied. He had to both encourage and support the Catholic faithful in those countries while avoiding any necessary repercussions for them. And not only Catholics, but as Pope, he's considered the vicar of Christ on earth for all of humanity. So. In addition to having a concern for all the Catholic faithful, of whom he's most directly the spiritual leader, he also had to take into account how his words would affect all people of goodwill and, in particular, the Jewish people, who were even more greatly under assault at the time. The bishops of the Netherlands in uh, July of 1942 publicly condemned in very strong words the deportation of Jews uh, by the Nazis. And in retaliation, many Jews and Jewish converts to Catholicism were arrested and sent to concentration camps. Uh, St. Edith Stein was among them. So it was a very real danger recognized by Pope Pius XII early on about how to go about helping Catholics and Jews and all of goodwill during the war. 
just making sure your political bases are covered by saying certain things uh, is not as important as actually affecting actual protection and help for those who are in danger. In a recent book by uh, Rabbi David Dallin, he said that there was actually evidence that a German bishop who, who wished to condemn publicly the persecution of the Jews in Germany, that the German Jews at that time, those of the Jewish community where he was bishop, begged him not to because then the persecution would have been even more harsh. There would be retaliation. This is something that was recognized all throughout Europe that strong public condemnation would result or could result in a more severe persecution of Catholics and Jews. This same rabbi, David Dahlin, said in an interview, quote, The revisionist critics of Pius XII know that both Jewish leaders as well as Catholic bishops who came from occupied countries advised Pacelli, or Pius XII, not to protest publicly against the atrocities committed by the Nazis, end quote. Furthermore, Rabbi Dahlin, who wrote a recent book, The Myth of Hitler's Pope, listing the things that Pope Pius XII actually did behind the scenes, quote, during the German occupation of Rome, Pius XII secretly instructed the Catholic clergy to use all means to save as many human lives as possible. In this way, he saved thousands of Italian Jews from deportation. While 80% of European Jews died in those years, 80% of Italian Jews were saved. In Rome alone, 155 convents and monasteries gave refuge to some 5,000 Jews. At any given moment, at least 3,000 were saved in the papal residence of Castel Gandolfo, being freed from deportation to German concentration camps. For nine months, 60 Jews lived with the Jesuits at Pontifical Gregorian University, and many others were hidden in the basement of the Biblical Institute. Following Pius XII's instructions, risking their own lives, many priests and monks made possible the salvation of hundreds of Jewish lives. There was also a study by an Israeli historian named Pincus Lapide, where he says, quote, the Catholic Church, under the pontificate of Pius XII, was instrumental in saving at least 700,000, but probably as many as 860,000 Jews from certain death at Nazi hands. These figures, small as they are in comparison with our six million martyrs whose fate is beyond consolation, exceed by far those saved by all other churches, religious institutions, and rescue organizations combined." End quote. So note that all of this information about Pius XII's real actions during the Second World War are coming from Jewish historians and authors. And remember, as I mentioned at the beginning, that the chief rabbi of Rome during the Second World War was so moved by the compassion of the Catholics in saving Jewish lives that he was moved to conversion uh, to Catholicism and took the very name of Pius XII. So, while there's much more that can be said about Pius XII and Pius XII's actions and the actions of other uh, Catholics, both in Rome or worldwide, this at least hopefully will dispel any notion that his legacy is accurately depicted in the play The Deputy or in the various pseudo-historical books that claim to present the reality of his life. I'll conclude with an excerpt from one of Pius XII's radio addresses given in 1941. Quote, a great scandal is presently taking place, and this scandal is the treatment suffered by the Jews. That is why I desire that a free voice, the voice of a priest, should be raised in protest. In Germany, the Jews are killed, brutalized, tortured, because they are victims bereft of defense. How can a Christian accept such deeds? These men are the sons of those who 2,000 years ago gave Christianity to the world. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at, at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief. Also, please give a five-star rating and a good review wherever you listen to the podcast. God bless.